Hey everyone, welcome back to a Rocky Star Podcast. I'm Brian Argot. On the show, I bring on guests from all around to talk about their journey to what got them to where they are today. That's right, a Rocky Start. Whether if it's athletes, sports professionals, entrepreneurs, or top performers, we talk about their Rocky Start and what got them where they are today. And I'm doing that here with sports the sports fan list over at google her name is ananya raghaven she's also a part-time statistician for the golden state warriors i learned what a sports fan list today was from her she they actually uh, created that position for her over at uh, google and i love talking to her about that among how she also got into sports i can't wait to get this interview started with ananya raghaven i hope you guys all enjoy it as well everyone welcome back to a rocky star podcast i'm your host brian argot on a rocky star podcast today i have ananya raghaven she is a statistician over and she works for the golden state warriors and over at google how, how are you doing today ananya uh i'm great brian thank you for having me oh thank you for coming on the show I'm very interested uh as especially in basketball and i guess all sports now analytics has become a big uh, movement and it's definitely here to stay uh it's only getting more and more crazier i definitely want to get into a lot of the analytics and, and uh, your research later uh, how did you get involved in sports or nba in particular man i've been playing basketball for kind of as long as i could remember um when i was growing up initially started off with you know baseball golf but me and my brother really you know kind of gravitated towards basketball and we're very close so it's just something we ended up doing together and you know went on that journey of playing uh ended up playing in college and after I graduated from college I was just kind of coming back home to the Bay Area looking for a job and I I stumbled across the opening with the Santa Cruz Warriors for a game day statistician um and so kind of got lucky that that fell into my lap a little bit and so you know went and interviewed there got the job and worked my way up to Golden State and now starting my fifth season with the team yeah no that that that's awesome and you, did you when you went to school did you realize like this was the kind of path that you were going to be taking or or even a this is the kind of job that you would be looking for not at all. I actually was a health science major. I thought I was going to go like the med school route. And, <laughs> uh, no, no intention of ever staying in sports, but just kind of my senior year playing in college, I just found a new love for the game in a different kind of way. Um, you know, when you come out of high school and you get to the opportunity to play a college sport, you're everyone is the best uh, where they come from but not everyone can really translate that to college and so you know I was one of those who had to learn how to adapt into a new role and find a different way to love the game and I found that through teaching and coaching and analyzing the game and so it was in my senior year there that I really figured out that I wanted to to stay in the sport I wasn't quite ready to give it up were you uh, always a Golden State Warriors fan, uh, being from the Bay Area? or? Yeah, but with a little bit of a ca caveat there is that I'm a big just like basketball nerd in general. So I love teams that play the game the right way. So, you know, you look at 
San Antonio, I used to love watching them play growing up because of the, you know, beautiful basketball model of the ball movement movement. It's just really fun to watch. Yeah, no, you you bring up San Antonio. They they are the like epiphany of how you want to play the game. No selfish uh, play there whatsoever. Everyone buys into the Popovich uh, regime, the style of play, and all that. Uh, that they're they're a great uh, model. Uh, that was a great example that you brought up, especially because now the Warriors are kind of like the the two version of that. But you know they have two of the greatest shooters of all time on their team for this. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I guess it's it's crazy to say uh, they've been doing this now for a decade. Uh, it makes it makes me feel old. I'm sure you kind of look back in hindsight, you're like, damn, that time has kind of flown by <laughs> since once of them do this. And uh, you know, the Spurs, the Spurs. I'm not going to say they're they're done. They're going to probably in the Wimbayama sweepstakes here uh, at their buying. Uh, you know, because it's hard to say Popovich's team will tank, but. Um, you know, because he the way he is, he's he's such a competitive guy. But uh, it's um, definitely one of those things that uh, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do. And and uh, I, w- I want to talk a little bit more about the um, your your background there. So like when when you got when you get the job for the uh, Warriors, like did did you already know like what you're going to be writing about, like how you were going to be processing um, like stats uh, for for them? Oh, um, so I didn't really know what a game day statistician entailed. And so basically what I do with the Warriors is just inputting whatever's happening on the court. And that flows into what you see in your box score and play by play. So kind of the more deep dive analyses that I do was just kind of me doing it on my own because I, I love the game. I love to study it. And being just a stats inputter wasn't kind of my end goal with Beam. And so it was, I looked at it as a way for me to get a foot in the door in the organization and then try to work my way up. And doing my own analyses was my way of trying to do that. And so, you know, I obviously didn't end up with a full time job with the team, but. I think that the work that I did did lead me to other opportunities that I was able to get into today. And um, I really enjoyed just analyzing the game. I made a lot of connections in the basketball world because of it. And so even though it maybe didn't go the route that I was aiming for, I think that the where I eventually did end up is is in a great place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you bring up a great, a great uh, thing. You said the, the connections that you create. And the um, because those connections will last forever. All you know, built uh, kind of building rapport with all those kind of people because they have so many. It's such a wide range, you know, all over the nation of where these resources could you know eventually follow. I mean, you even kind of look at like uh, the t- the other team in the the Bay or uh, sorry uh, in Oakland, the uh, A's. They they have such a model uh, with their. Um, with their analytics and what they've been doing for the past 20 years. I mean, uh, they, they had their thing mm-hmm. with a uh, money ball, right. And it was all about yep. the anal- analytics there. And uh, that, that, that's what I think really brought on analytics, uh, not only baseball, but across all sports, I really think it uh, kind of hyped it all there. Did you watch that movie? 
I actually admittedly have not, um, <laughs> but I I did do some reading about it and, you know, kind of took a course on the Moneyball analytics. And so, yeah, uh, familiar with the A's kind of being the inflection point of sports analytics. Yeah, I think you you might enjoy the movie. It's uh, more more about uh, how uh, <laughs> Brad, I think it's Brad Pitt and uh, I can't remember the guy who was in 21st Jump Street. Um uh really drawn a blank on his name but uh he <laughs> but uh they, they do a good job in the movie kind of detailing how it uh kind of all started and how uh the analytics really played in the that a season after they uh got rid of some players that weren't going to fit their their theories or whatever it was i don't even know how to say it but uh it's a good good movie anyways uh but yeah no, no I, I think uh Going go, going from that to there, I, I want to ask you, you. You mentioned yeah, you're part time with the Warriors. Uh, what is a sports fanalyst over? You do that. You're over there at Google. You're as a sports fanalyst. What exactly is that? Yeah, that's a. It's funny because they kind of created that role, really for me. Uh, and so what I do is basically, I'm an analyst of fans, as the pun in the job title. Yeah. <laughs> kind of alludes to and so what I do is I I look at search data what looking for um on things that surround sports and I use that to try to you know understand who fans are what they're interested in um, and really kind of help leverage those insights into our sports partnerships um whether that be with the NBA or the WNBA those are kind of my two main focus areas within the job but I think it was just for me uh, a different way of looking at the game because I'd always looked at it from purely like a basketball standpoint but you know the game isn't what it is without the fans and so and I myself am a fan so being able to kind of do a whole different kind of perspective on the sport that I love was was really interesting to me and i've i've been loving doing it has, has there been any data that you found that as a um, kind of game changing uh, doing this role there at google uh, i wouldn't say game changing but i do find it like fascinating like whenever i see that you know people searching for like the nba or wnba always are like looking up crossword clues and things like that uh, just kind of seeing uh, um, kind of like things that people are interested in in addition to and outside of the game itself and then you also see you know people searching for ways to like emulate their favorite players like how to shoot like Steph Curry is a pretty common one there uh, <laughs> things like that and so um, nothing like totally unexpected there but it is always interesting to to validate like because I, I am a fan myself so what i think that people are interested in yeah and you brought up a good one with the way steph curry shoots i i can't imagine that's probably one of the most uh search terms among the uh basketball realm outside of like looking up uh stats and stuff like that what is another is there anything else kind of like that maybe like with among Curry or LeBron or like John Morant or something like uh, those guys on how they uh, move or anything? Oh, I mean, I've definitely have seen things like, you know, how to 
jump like jaw <laughs> things like that he's got an insane vertical um and so yeah those things are just like really really fun to watch like how to dribble like Kyrie um oh, those yeah. kind of how to how to searches I, I find so interesting on um, like who do people want to want to play like and you know what specific parts of those people's game you honing in on who, who, what player in the league would you like to play like if you, uh, you could choose uh, someone's skill sets? What, whether if it's uh, their all around style of play or uh, what is your, uh, who do you most uh, fan girl about for uh, an athlete? Uh, oh, I mean, in terms of current players or past, you can be past too. No, that's fine. Uh, I mean, past, that, like, like, I tried to model my game after you know Steve Nash and Sue Bird really um looking at past first point guards set other people um I was never like a great shooter like I was pretty average in terms of it but I think that I could see the floor well and think the game well and I always I love the assist that's my face at in in the basketball world and I when I was coaching, I used to tell the kids that it's like, you know, if your team is going through a bit of a lull, I think that the best kind of play is an assisted play because you're getting multiple people involved. You're getting multiple people to feel about what you're doing as a team. And that just kind of gets you back on the right track. And so as a, a natural passer myself, it was definitely those two that I would be. I, I just asked you about a, you were talking about Steve Nash and Sue Bird and uh, you emulating your game after them. Uh, I was in a, you're in your, and then you were talking about uh, the, uh, you love being past uh, first point guard because you got uh, everyone involved. You kind of want to pick up from there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of the, the essence of where I was going with it is that I, I like basketball. And it kind of goes back to the teams that I really enjoy watching, the the Warriors and the Spurs of old, is that I it's a team sport for a reason. And so I, I don't like watching ISO basketball or seeing guys kind of dribble the air out of the ball. So, <laughs> and so, so Russell Westbrook's not your favorite player then. <laughs> no, him, <laughs> him and James Harden are just not the guys that I enjoy watching. Um I, I used to love watching James Harden uh, prior to, like, I think, 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was one of the most fascinating players in the league. And then he, I, I think his style of game just changed dramatically, I think, uh, with especially with, you know, I know when he won his first MVP, you know, it was different and and how mm-hmm. they they ran the offense with him, Dan, Dan Tony. But, God, I just I, – his game had changed so much, and he was – then he became a silver lion on dri- driving to the basket and trying to draw a foul that his game became so redundant. And, you know, I think, and the league definitely fixed the rules finally on, <laughs> on, on how that uh, worked because I mean, so much of advantage was re- a little bit ridiculous there, but uh, yeah. Do you, th- did you uh, think James Harden's game kind of changed there for a while? Yeah. I mean, in OKC, he- uh, obviously, he wasn't, you know, MVP James Harden. He was a sixth man, but I really enjoyed the way he played, just kind of 
utilizing all all aspects of the floor, all aspects of the game. I he he obviously is a good passer. Like you don't get as many triple doubles as you do without doing that, but um and then using like the mid range as well. Um but like you said at some point and I don't know if it was a him thing, if it was a D'Antoni system thing, but he's starts dribbling the ball for about, you know, 20 seconds of the shot clock and step back three um, or, you know, foul baiting. And it's just, it's not enjoyable to watch. No, definitely not. And we've, we've all played street or pickup basketball where, you know, you have that one person dribbling for 10 seconds and it just kills the momentum and the spirit of everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, how, how are you going to have all these guys just kind of standing around in the corner, standing around, just watching you do your thing? Um, and how can you expect me to go run back, um, you know, bust my ass on defense, getting up and down the floor and basically just out here for cardio? <laughs> you know, the, yeah, always, always my point when uh, playing with people like that, it's like, you know, and then they get mad at you for not like hustling. It's like, you know, do you not watch your style play? Uh, maybe you should uh, look look in the mirror sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> um, I I was reading a few of your articles on, on your page, and uh, one of them I really like is the power of rebounding. Uh, can you go in depth on your article? I I really think it's a uh, fascinating because uh, rebounding is such a essential key and uh, is missing from a lot of people's games. I, I like. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you do the talking about it. Oh. Yeah. Um. So kind of when the NBA shut down in 2020 and reemerged into the bubble, I was, you know, watching these games and obviously rebounding is important. We all like just kind of intuitively know that uh, as basketball fans, but I really wanted to take a look at the impact of it specifically from a guard standpoint, because I think that when you have, great rebounding guards it allows you to get out in transition much faster it puts the pressure on the defense right away you're not waiting for maybe your post player to to make an outlet pass giving the defense some time to get back and so it's it's really important to have great rebounding guards and I noticed that with Phoenix and you know when Devin Booker would get a rebound and he's out pushing it like there's there's immediate pressure on the defense and it kind of I connected it back to my my college days the starting point guard on my team for the first two years that I played was one of our best rebounders um and it was so hard to guard her because you know she's got the ball in her hands immediately and is putting pressure on the defense and so I just wanted to to dive deeper into that analysis and see if what I was seeing on the floor if the the data matched the eye test. And so that's kind of how I got into that uh, analysis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And who, who's been some of your most favorite uh, rebounding guards that you've seen over the over, over your uh, time and kind of studying all this? He's underrated, but I do think that Steph is a, is a great rebounding guard. Um, and what's even more dangerous about him is that you know, he doesn't have to get all the way to the basket to be a threat right there. As soon as he crosses half court after that rebound, like that ball can go up. And so it's immense pressure on, on the defense to try to stop it. And, you know, prime Russ was 
a great rebounding guard. Um, I think, um, and it just like his athleticism and transition is, is very hard to guard. Um, yeah, yeah. kind of those those are the ones that uh really come to mind for me. Yeah, no, d- definitely. Uh, the Russ was one of the perfect guys. He I, that was like thing when he actually cared. Yeah. Back then, you know, he cared a lot more than what he does now. I, did you see? I don't know if you saw the poster uh, game yesterday when he was um he was asked by a reporter uh how his style of play went and i'm paraphrasing here he he was like i, I thought i played solid the fly played solid he was all <laughs> he was oh of 11 from the field with two points and i uh man it's like you know this guy used to really care yeah <laughs> and I, uh, I, I did see that clip yeah you know it's like uh i i hate the bash on the guy because he was once upon a time a really talented guy and now he's I, I don't even know if he's going to be in the league next year. Um, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't think he'll accept making a league minimum. Um, he's making $40 million right now. And I think teams are, I, he'll, he'll get traded. Some yeah. teams want his expired contract, but man, that isn't, that's going to look really, really, really bad. Uh, yep. you, you have another, you have another, um, with, uh, with, with rebounding, you know, the, there's a stat that I saw. It's, uh, RER the a uh, sorry uh RERF the uh, rebounding efficiency yes uh can you can you tell us a little bit more about that okay yeah so that was kind of a metric that I came up with to really evaluate how efficient teams were in converting a rebound into a bucket um and yeah just kind of trying to to measure how good they were not even necessarily in transition because I wasn't looking at, you know, the time that from the rebound to the score, but um, basically I measured it in terms of, uh, you know, getting a bucket is a, is a positive play a turnover is a negative play. And then a missed shot is just neutral, nothing. Um, and so I took a look at that for each team to see really, who who's the best at um converting uh you know defensive rebounds into into positives what what did you find when you looked that up it it has actually really been a while since i've uh looked at the analysis that i did um so i can't remember off the top of my head but i do remember that i honed in specifically on the sixers at one point and was kind of looking at what the team did and um I think that one of the conclusions that I came to was that you know if in the games where the Sixers guards out rebounded their opponents guards I think they won like 70% of the time or something like that I I don't know the numbers off the top of my head but um there was a significant difference in their win percentage when the guards rebounded versus when they didn't. And taking a look at the 2018, 19 season, that could have been the difference between them having home court against Toronto in that game seven versus not. And, you know, maybe Kawhi hits that shot in uh, (laughs) Philly. Maybe he doesn't, we'll never know, but um, those are kind of really big moments. 
Maybe maybe the uh, Sixers decided to keep James Harden instead of paying uh, Tobias Harris. <laughs> you mean Jimmy Butler? Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, uh, no, yeah, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, yeah, no, that that is a that is a great point. I, and I think uh, even that data, uh, especially because now sports betting has become huge, and and um, those betting analysts love the um, they love those kind of numbers. They, they use them just as much as teams use them for for their winning percentage, but even uh, p- people betting loved you know to use those for the odds, you know. And yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I think you're on to something there. Maybe you should uh, <laughs> maybe starting this season. That's something you, more you get into because uh, you might have a little sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, that. no, I might have to to dig that one back out. Yeah, you you might you might because I I think uh, rebounding is very under uh, underrated for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, another article you have is closing space to uh, creative space. Mm. Uh, yeah. This is one that I really love, especially you using Luca as you know one of your examples in, in this piece. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. Um, that kind of concept is something that my club coach throughout high school uh, taught me when I was growing up. And it's like, in order to create space, you have to create some kind of advantage over your defender and I think one of the best ways to do that is to get them to kind of turn their hips um, get them going in a direction and then you really have the ability to create space from that and I think Luca does such a good job of it is you know he uses his size his footwork his IQ to really get into his defenders make them kind of turn their hips open up he gets them going downhill in the direction that he wants and since he is now dictating the kind of movement of both himself and the defender he can stop and change direction whenever he wants to uh and that's why i think he's so great when it comes to the step back jumper is because he has kind of closed that space with the defender he's shrunk the ability of the defender to really turn and recover into certain spots and then he you know does a step back and creates that space and so again I was just watching him during the bubble and I was really fascinated with how um, great he was at doing this and I just wanted to look into it further yeah because he he's a really uh he's made that deadly and I think it's a it's a really fun to look at the game that way when you're actually watching him kind of do it because uh, him and a few other people, you're like, how did he get that off? Or how did he, how did he do that? And uh, <laughs> utilizing that kind of strength, because uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I mean, the three pointer is such a essential part of the game now that it's, uh, I wouldn't even know the stats on how much it's shot compared to how that <laughs> style of play Luca or them usually try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because shooting the three, obviously the, you know, if you miss it, then the other team is driving back down the court and, you know, where they do, as opposed to Lucas style play, you know, more ball control, more time is being used um, and using that creative space, all, all this kind of stuff really plays into it. So I, I think it's really fa- uh, fascinating uh, to even get into those kind of details with that all. Yeah. And even outside of the three points, like when he's able to get paint touches, um you know get the defender on his hip 
then he can do whatever he wants in terms of collapsing the defense, passing it back out to his shooters. He had a beautiful up and under move the other night against Phoenix. And so I think all of that is just goes to his ability to just really dictate where the defense goes and he knows how to work angles and use his body to create space. You, you know, one, one person I'd be fascinated if you did some uh, data about, uh, you, do you watch uh, Jose Alvarado on the Pelicans? I do. He, he's one of my favorite players to watch because of his uh, his style of play, how he really just hustles and, and really fights for every ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be curious just to see like what kind of di- difference he would, he, his uh, steals and his hustle and all that kind of stuff really, really makes as opposed to just like a, uh, a guard running down the other side of the court and not uh, not being patient or just like the kind of hustle that he, he puts into the game. I'm just really fascinated by him. Yeah, no, I, I actually think that there could probably be a pretty interesting analysis there. Yeah, no, just uh, be, be one of those guys. Who Who, who is uh, out of out of everyone to watch in the league, who's your favorite uh, player to watch? Oh, wow. Um... Well, since he kind of entered the league, I've always really enjoyed Kevin Durant. Um, I mean, a seven-footer that can basically play like a point guard, like get off his shot anywhere he wants, so efficient with it. But, you know, I'm always going to come back to my Warriors, I think. Clay, (laughs) Clay is one of my favorites, Uh, if not my favorite to watch, I think. Wow, did did he look good on the opening night? Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh, yeah. And I think like even more so than Steph, like Clay has the better shooting form. Like it is textbook. Um obviously Steph is the greatest shooter of all time, but Clay, if you look up how to shoot basketball in a textbook, it should be a picture of Clay Thompson. And uh, um him and Ray Allen will be right neck and neck with each other, right? Yeah. And just when he you know, just catch and shoot, be able to be efficient with, like, minimum dribbles, you know. He had that, like, what, 60-point game or something when, like, took, like, seven dribbles. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's, like, ridiculous. Um, And when he's especially in that zone, it's just something beautiful to watch. And then sticking with my Warriors, Jordan Poole has really become someone I think that is enjoyable to watch on a, on a nightly basis. And I, one thing that I see him kind of take, taking the leap at this year is not just his ability to score, but to set up others. And he did a beautiful job of that in game one. You know, the guy had seven assists. Um, and so I think he's really learning how to make everyone around him better. What's just such a special quality. And I, you're right. I was going to bring up Jordan Poole, actually. Um I mean, he didn't have a great offense. He didn't have a great offensive night, and he was just still poised, still getting his team involved, making those important passes. I mean, God, that this that alone really just kind of sets you up. And and uh, God, I, I I just I can't imagine any. I I mean, obviously, let the season play out, barring any injuries, it's just going to be hard for any team to really get in the Warriors' way. Yeah, and you know Jordan's rookie year. He, he struggled a bit in the league, but that was kind of a very down year for the Warriors. So he got pretty good minutes. And 
I think coming out of Michigan, you always see him as a shooter, um, especially hitting that big shot against Houston in the tournament. Um, but when I saw him running the point with the Warriors that year, I was like, oh, this guy knows how to how to play make. I think there were glimpses of that there, and it didn't really come together for him until he went to that G League bubble. And when he came back, it was just a whole different kind of beast, I think. And he has he's not stopped since. Yeah, I know. De- de- definitely uh, going to be one of the bright young superstars in the league in the years to come. And the Warriors uh, locked him up on a very nice deal for him and for them. Uh, yeah, uh, they're going to be a very scary team. Uh, give me one prediction. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, let's do this. Who do you think is going to win the MVP this year? Um, with story and everything kind of involved, uh, you know, Jokic won it back-to-back seasons. Do you see anybody... Uh-huh. I think Luca could win it, uh, to be honest. Um, I'll kind of love to see, like, just from a personal fan standpoint, Steph get back into that discussion. And he started off last year doing that, and then he got hurt uh, and then kind of went on a shooting slump, chasing the record a little bit. Um, <laughs> right, but right. I I do think it's – I thought Luca was going to – like when I watched him after his rookie season, I was like, oh, in two years, he's going to be MVP. And, you know, obviously Jokic got it again last year and he was incredible. But I can really see Luka kind of taking that next step with his game. And I, I can see him putting together an MVP type of season. Yeah, well, well, it got in the way of Luka the last two seasons is him not showing up uh, in shape. I mean, the exactly. Hard, the hard, the hard theory. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> trying to play, play trying to play into shape throughout the first quarter of the season is not always good and i i, I think he definitely took his off season a little, little bit more seriously so i uh, definitely would not put it past luca uh, one guy i think uh jason tatum uh yeah. i think him uh the story's there the coach not being there you know because yeah. you know people love a good story and you brought up steph you know steph uh if he could ball out for you know eighty uh, percent of the season and and be the prime example of them being maybe they win sixty games uh, getting back to it. I would definitely see Steph as uh, another front runner for it for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, is there anything else, Ananya, that you would like to say that you haven't already said? I know we uh, dove into a lot um, there, but uh, yeah. Um. Honestly, no. I mean, I think we covered most of my kind of career trajectory and uh, my my kind of thoughts here. And I think one thing that I'd kind of highlight on is that my career definitely didn't take the path that I thought it was going to take. And I kind of mentioned this with, like, you know, what I studied um, and what I was initially trying to do when I landed the job with the Warriors. And now here I am, like, at Google and doing that so it's definitely not been what I expected but I think that wherever I ended up it's been like a whole lot more and so uh yeah uh journey in sports is it's different for everyone um but I think it could take you really fun places yeah absolutely where do you see yourself maybe adding uh, five years or that uh kind of going with the flow still yeah, still kind of going with the flow. I really am enjoying uh, being on the fan side and the marketing side. Maybe 
the the basketball bug will hit me again and I'll want to be back on the kind of team strategy basketball upside uh, in five years. Uh, I have no idea, but uh, looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, d- definitely. And uh, hopefully, uh, thank you again for so much for being on the show and uh, possibly look forward to you being back on the show later down the line. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks again for having me. I hope you guys all enjoyed that interview with Ananya. I really love uh, talking basketball with her. She's just a true fan. I really love her fandom for the San Antonio Spurs because her and I share that common interest. Those Spurs teams were some of the best, the ones with uh, Tim Duncan. You guys know what I'm talking about if you guys watch the NBA. hope you guys all enjoyed this interview. Please do not forget to share it with uh, your fellow sports fans out there. And do not forget to subscribe, share, and rate, and review this podcast and share it with your fellow sports fans. You guys all have a great day.